This is Not Your Average Bucket List by Only In Your State, a podcast about exploring the hidden gems right in your own backyard. Going to open with a curveball here, which... Oh, thanks. (laughs) All right, ready. It's nothing crazy, but lightning questions. Tell me the first three things that come to mind when you think about Maine. Maine. Uh, Stephen King. Lots of coastline. Trees? Okay, good. I'll take it. You passed. Oh, got it. (laughs) I just think it's funny because, you know, like when I was researching for our episode, Not Your Average Bucket List, Local Lore and Legends, uh, we're talking about Maine. And I think just for this episode in particular, I had, I'm coming in with some stereotypes, you know, just about the state. That's why I wanted to know, yeah, like the first three things that would come to my head, Stephen King, lobster, and water. And uh, I just think it's interesting. I really love the fact that our episodes, for me, because we're diving in this season into urban legends, last season, small town getaways, it's just like like obliterating these preconceived notions that I've had about every state we've we've discussed. Yeah, Um well, what's funny about Maine specifically, I mean, you're right that every time we record, I'm so, for some reason, shocked. I go, I cannot believe this state <laughs> has Like, I shouldn't get be shocked every time. Um, but I really ha- have overlooked Maine as a place with creepy stories and legends, knowing that, like, Stephen King wrote many of his books based on fictional places in Maine that were inspired by real places in Maine. And why did I forget that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so... And not only that, it just, to me, has this, like, wilderness and mystery that is associated in my mind with Maine. But So why I didn't think that it was a place full of creepy culture, I have no idea. Yeah. No, same. Because, you know, you assume Stephen King lives there. It's got to be a creepy place. But also... (laughs) Just like I just like picture Dig like oh Stephen King's there must be I odd. Just, I just picture him in this really old house that has no electricity, and he's just on the typewriter <laughs> writing by candlelight with his dog Cujo next to him, just foaming at the mouth. <laughs> but I know that's wrong. I know that's not true. I, I have heard he's a very nice guy and likes to frequent bars and restaurants in the area. I actually, uh, I went in Boston. I got to go to a small aside a a live reading with Stephen King and his son Joe Hill they're reading from uh the institute one of Stephen King's newer books and it was just in a tiny theater a a dad and his son just talking and back and forth and telling about how his dad used to tell bedtime stories and how they're all so terrifying it was one of the best things I've ever gone to it was fantastic (laughs) that's awesome how did you even hear about that or like come across it you had to get tickets Uh, yeah, so a friend of mine, well, a couple friend of mine really loved Stephen King as well, and they got tickets. His wife couldn't go for some reason, and I just happened to be in Boston for a conference. And I'm like, I will come. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, it was just happenstance. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been to Maine before? No, but I would love to go. Yeah. Have you? I haven't. I haven't, because when I was traveling, that just, it seemed so far out of the way. And just, you know, being in a van or an RV, you're, you're, you're trekking all the way up to Maine. And especially if you don't, cause the weather's so extreme up there. 
So it really, you have to catch it at the right yeah. window. I feel like if you're traveling by RV or whatever, yeah. um, but I would love to go just researching, you know, for this episode and, and not just the creepy stuff, but coming across really beautiful national parks and coastline yes. and yep. lighthouses. Apparently their main has a ton of lighthouses, which is super cool too. Cause and I beautiful. discovered during research, a lot of them are haunted. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> Maybe all of them. Good majority. Yes. Um, yeah. So, Okay. Was there one thing in particular about Maine or one story or urban legend that really stuck out to you that you want to talk about that people need to know? So, okay. Honestly, no. And this is why. Um, (laughs) I was just amazed by how many different, um, like, cryptids rose to the top. Speaking of cryptids and what we've covered so far. Not only is um, there a main cryptozoology museum in Portland that moved to Bangor, but um, there are just like so many strange cryptids. The Tote Road Shagamoth, the Bildad, the Agropelter. Like there's, so I feel like I have a list, like a list of ones I want to go over and just almost like lightning round style. Let's just like say who they are. But then another focus of mine, I got, I got sidetracked on, on, Stephen King. So, oh, okay. So, what about you? Do you want to start with like your maybe like main focus of like what was the the thing that jumped out at you the most? Okay, so it's not really. I have a couple, but just one, a real quick one, because okay. I am very curious about your cryptids. I didn't come across any cryptids. What? Except there was one uh, bird spirit that was a big that was a big okay. deal. But um, <laughs> just my segue is uh, Maine's very own Loch Ness monster. And uh, if you could guess the name, do you have any guesses? Does it have an Essie in it? (laughs) Yes. Yep. This one's Wessie. And... (laughs) I don't know why that tickle. Wessie. Right. Okay. But here's the thing. So I think because uh, she... I'm assuming she, they... um, Oh, we're going off of like a Lassie and Nessie. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I just always assumed, yeah. Um but not cool of me. But so this monster was spotted in Westbrook, Maine, and a woman claimed that she saw a snake that was as large as a truck and she watched it eat a small mammal on the banks of the Presumpcot River. And then a couple months later, a man was walking the river. He found the molted skin of a 12 foot long snake that belonged to an anaconda. So... People don't know if Wessie was, uh, you know. Is it just a snake? <laughs> right. It could be. Nobody yeah. knows. Uh, but anyway, Wessie made national news and it was a really big deal. And because I'm terrified of snakes, that just stuck out you know, to me it, the most. It checks out. But the thing is, um, one, I love that it could just be a snake. Like maybe it's a python or an anaconda. and But I love that like. There's that sort of like state pride of like, nah, this is Wessie. We know it. This is a we thing. need to name it. And mascot. Not to one up you, but did you hear of Cassie? Well, who's Cassie? So uh, maybe a cousin of Wessie, the Casco Bay Sea Monster. Oh, did not hear about this. 
Okay, so uh, a fisherman in Portland in 1958, uh, Ole Mickelson, um, spotted a creature that he estimated to be over 100 feet long off of the coast of Cape Elizabeth. Uh, it had a mackerel-like tail, was the color of a, I don't know what a cusk is, a fish. <laughs> it was fishy in color. <laughs> And there were sightings, more sightings of this like large sea creature in the 19th century. And so they started calling it Cassie, the Casco Bay sea monster. Um, but maybe that was just like a catch all term for sea monsters. And given the time of, you know, history, maybe it was a sturgeon or an oarfish or yeah. I, I guess sturgeons wouldn't be there. But I, I digress. So yeah. we got a twofer, Wessie and Cassie which I love. Well, I was just going to say, like, I wonder how many of these sea creatures that are spotted, especially way back in the day, were just maybe to promote tourism of the area. Oh, absolutely. You know, just to be like, hey, come come on out. Stay here for a weekend and see if you could spot the sea creature. Well, like, I would probably do that if I lived way back when. Well, I mean, just think of, like, the traveling circuses and things that, you know, mm. come see the X, Y, and Z, whatever yeah bearded woman all this horrific i i i wonder like back in the day if you just had just if you're a little bit short you're like i swear to god if a circus comes my way i'm running <laughs> i don't want any of this please no god, can you can you imagine just being in that time of history where it's like oh you're a little bit different let's make money off of you it's right. terrible. uh anyway that's a different rant <laughs> Here's an so I have I'm gonna go into my list of little guys and yeah. see if I just first of all I want to get your take on what you think it is. Oh so, lord, okay, okay, a specter moose. Um, a moose that is a huge fan of Phil Spector. <laughs> you got it. Ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think it's just there's a uh, ghostly white moose that is spotted throughout the state probably a moose with uh some sort of uh pigmentation change like you know you get like piebald deer or albinism and things like that yeah you know it's but i like the specter moose story better so there's a ghostly moose that people see throughout the state there's a kawakwa kawakwa <laughs> guys <laughs> sorry <laughs> kawakwa kawakwa maybe yeah what do you think that is? Oh, <laughs> it's a, no a cousin, a cousin of the squonk who, uh, instead of crying and disappearing, he, uh, he laughs and blows up to the size of a Loch Ness monster. I love this. I wish that were the case. It is not. Um, <laughs> uh so I think it is uh, basically a take on the sort of Yeti Sasquatch myth for the peoples in the area. It was, <clears throat> though, I am going to, I'm so sorry. Wabanaki, the Wabanaki people. <laughs> I, I tried. Um, so the stories of the Kiwakwa, a gigantic humanoid that had a taste for human flesh in the winter or a human under a curse, they don't know, but basically a large bipedal humanoid ape creature that was seen in in the woods but you know hmm. with some more nefarious tones from like the wendigo or you know it might eat you take your skin wow. stuff Yikes. like that but only during winter 
it's seen in winter maybe oh, it's seen like, in winter interesting yeah maybe lacking camouflage i'm not really sure i have to dig into that these are real quick little bite-sized pieces um i wonder if it only goes out in winter to feed but because all the animals are hibernating it the only option mm. would be humans mm-hmm. i like Interesting. that i like mm. that yes i mean it's kind of like bears whenever they get desperate during the winter and you see them like going rummaging through people's trash and stuff like that yeah okay so i have three more and okay. these are these are stories from like the earliest like 19th and 20th century tales told by lumberjacks mm. so harvesting lumber in the woods they come up with stories some more friendly than others and these are the three that jumped out at me and fo- first is the the tote road shagamaw so I don't know what any of that means. It's very <laughs> New England sounding. Um, but it's a beast that's unique to the area. And it has the front quarters of a bear, the hind quarters of a moose. It would walk for a quarter mile on its front legs and stop and switch to its hind legs. I, that's it. <laughs> um, that's all I know. Um, so it's a, a part bear, part moose that would walk for an extended amount of times and loggers would see it switching from its front to back legs. That's terrifying. Or maybe they were just drunk. We don't know. I... <laughs> Taking whiskey up in the woods of Maine while you're trying to, you know. <clears throat> okay, fair. Okay, next one. You want to have a guess at what this is? The Bildad. What does a Bildad uh, mean to you? A badger that has a big family. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> No, (laughs) this is, we're done. This is a great episode. Okay. So uh, Boundary Pond, which is a remote body of water, and I'm getting this off of a local news, uh, a main local news channel, uh, WGME. So just FYI. So it is found near a remote body of water in Franklin, Franklin County. And lumberjacks believe that if you heard something surfacing in the water, it was a bildad. So it is the size of a beaver. So you're not, you're not totally wrong. Um, a size of a beaver looks like a kangaroo with webbed feet and a hawk's bill. It fishes from a perch on a rock, dives into the water, and then, you know, brings, brings it back up. Uh, and that's it. So, um, Interesting. I mean, it's, and I don't mean to like downplay these, but these are just more of like, People up in the woods were seeing some things. I'm questioning mm. their documentation yeah. of a tiny kangaroo beaver with a it hawk. Kind of sounds like a platypus to me, almost. Yeah, like or maybe it was like a um, like one of the uh, like a flying like raptor that can like dive into the water, like a like a bird that dives into the water. So yeah. that's why it's so impressive that it's going underwater and surfaces with a fish, which they do all the time. Mm. That's their deal. That makes um, sense, but. So the build at, I just love that this part of history where people are just like, see, like kind of what we talked about with uh, Heather, we saw a giraffe and called it a what? What was that? A, oh my gosh. I don't even remember. Like long necks, long neck something. Camel tiger? I yes. don't know. <laughs> um, and the last one, what do you think an agro pelter is? Um, something definitely that lives in a farmland 
and loves crops and hits people <laughs> with the rocks that he finds. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's a like an ape creature that lives in the in the forest. Only eats owls and woodpeckers. Don't know where they're getting that information. We'll have to dig it up somewhere. But we'll throw like stones, logs, wood at lumberjacks and hit them on the head. Wow. That would actually be pretty funny, to be honest. If you're just like in the woods, you get hit with something. (laughs) You're like, oh, that was aggro pelter. (laughs) It reminds me of someone like some some lumberjack like named Dave coming back from a late night. He passed out in the woods. He's like, yeah, it must, dude, it must have been an agripelter. <laughs> it wasn't me. Couldn't have been me. They're like, Dave, you're late again. You're fired. He's like, well, here's the thing, though. I just dude. came across something. <laughs> it's called an agropelter. I swear I wasn't drinking. <laughs> it was no. that monkey. He threw something at me. I, I do, like, the just, this is fascinating to me that you rattled off a whole bunch of, like, cryptids for one particular state that i've never even heard of before and Mm -hmm. like that i i just think that that's the best part about these episodes is that this is a whole new side of state history yes and state fun facts so outside of the realm of you know what's normally what you think of when you think of maine because also i i feel like and maybe every state is like this but i didn't quite come across as the volume that I did with Maine, but uh, what are they? Mainers? Do they call Mainers? The Mainers? I don't know. But Mainers, they, it, it, they have this quality to me that like, maybe it's like a little bit fantastical and they love it. And that's why Steve, you know, maybe inspired Stephen King and why all of these tales come from Maine and how just sort of silly and embracing they are of the culture, because not only were there all those like little, um, like cryptids that came from Maine, but also all the haunted lighthouses, all of the different areas of the state that have these lords and legends. I feel like they just embrace it. They're like, yeah, this happens. Right. Here's why. I mean, I love it. I think, I think it's fantastic to be honest. Yeah. I think what was really cool about um, some more of these just urban legends and stories are the fact that you can go and actually physically visit some of these places. So like you were saying, yes. a haunted lighthouse um, or, you know, there was uh there's one story of a trail. Actually, this is, this was kind of a bit of a true story and uh, a little bit of a ghost story, but there's uh, the old narrow gauge volunteer trail in Randolph, Maine that, According to Bangor Daily News, Lawrence Larry Farrell, he disappeared in the fall of 2004. He was 55. Right before his disappearance, um, he was living with a 64-year-old man named Norris Perry. And Perry died by suicide in the winter of 2004. And he left a voice message. After he left a voice message for his sister saying that he killed Farrell and told uh, her the exact location of where the body was, found in a brook behind their home. So the sister called the police. Everybody showed up. They used cadaver dogs. They used a backhoe. They were searching for the body for over a month. Nothing was found. Not uh, feral, not his, his bicycle, which was apparently what he would ride around town. And that's how people knew him. Nothing was ever found. And uh, so today people believe that the trail is haunted 
and they call and the ghost is bicycle Larry. And uh, so visitors to the trail, they report seeing weird orbs and spirits. Sometimes they hear the sound of bicycle wheels, but nothing's there. Um, some people heard screaming, uh, someone screaming, get out. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is an actual trail that you can visit. So I'll drop the the uh, coordinates in the show notes. But yeah, so that was uh, just like a tangible place that you could actually go if you want to, if you're brave enough. So I love this segue because the next things I want to talk about are places you can visit if you're nice. interested. Um, so the first, if you are a fan of cryptozoology and this sort of um, local legends, Lauren Coleman founded the International Cryptozoology Museum that is in, like I said, in Portland, moved, I think moved to Bangor. But if you want to go, they ha- there's, a, there's a gift shop, there's documentation, there's specimens, all kinds of cryptid lore. And I would just love to visit it myself because it's just, you know, from Bigfoot to Wessie, Nessie, all the things. It's just a really cool place. And I think a big, um, a, a big, a tourist attraction for the area but also just to go back to stephen king if you are interested not only if you like the books and the movies there's a he uses maine as inspiration for a lot of his fictional towns so like Derry, castle rock jerusalem's lot they're all based on areas in maine and Derry specifically was based off of bangor maine so if you want to go visit places from your favorite horror books, um, well, my favorite horror books, but uh, you could take a tour of Maine that goes through all of these different um, locations. So here's just a few um, that I, that really jumped out to me that I would like to see, but there are actually more than this. So first of all, you can go to Stephen King's old house. It's a huge like Gothic manor with like wrought iron gates and mm. he no longer lives there, but it's, I think it serves as like an archive and a little bit of a museum. So you can go up and visit, but then this Thomas Hill standpipe and banger it, um, <clears throat> it was featured in it. So the book and the movie and not featured in the movie, but in the novel, there's a scene where Pennywise lures Stanley into the water tower. So it's a giant water tower that Stephen King was rumored to write under sometimes. Not sure if that's true, but it was seen, it was in it. And then the Mount Hope Cemetery, which is actually one of the um, oldest cemeteries in the United States, over 300 acres and is reportedly haunted. So if you want to visit like a very well-known haunted spot, go to Mount Hope Cemetery because it is giant and just full of different um, like little ghost legends. And so it was featured in Pet Cemetery, and was if you're familiar, it was um, the funeral scene in Pet Cemetery, which I think Stephen, not the original Pet Cemetery, not the new one, and Stephen King was actually featured in the movie. Um, but also, the titular character Carrie from the movie Carrie, he was inspired to name the character that based off of a gravestone in the cemetery. Hmm. And then the last spot would be the uh, Creed House in Orrington, Maine. So this is an older house that King used to live in in the 70s. It also inspired him to write Pet Cemetery because there's a little hodgepodge graveyard in the backyard on the back of the property, which 
you know, that kind of like creepy little <laughs> graveyard is what made him, inspired him to write the story. But it's an actual house that you can visit that's in Orrington. And then also there's other things like the Paul Bunyan statue and like different um, different shops and things and towns. But if you're wanting to do a creepy main trip, you can go to all the lighthouses, the Mount Hope Cemetery, and even all of these Stephen King inspired uh, locations. That's awesome. Yeah. That'd be really fun, actually. I would definitely do that. Yeah, same. I think I would like to do a bit of both, like some, you know, like traditional creepy main places. So some of the like most haunted lighthouses, the Hope Cemetery, um, some of the different areas like the, um, there's like a, what was it? The main state prison uh, and the Strand Cinema. Those were a couple others that are reportedly haunted. And mm. yeah, you could just like do a bit of the like traditional. And then if you want to do the more pop culture stuff, yeah, switch over to Stephen King's places. Yeah. You know what, what, what could be cool just um, based on, because I feel like everything we're talking about now has a physical place to go. Mm. So maybe uh, we, we'll just create like a really fun uh, you know, podcast bucket list for only in your state. And for anybody that wants to set out and check out some of these places themselves and let us know what they think, uh, I could drop it in the show notes and just create a little road trip adventure. That would be fantastic. I mean, yeah. that's great. I would love to do it. Maybe if we put all of these bucket list road trips together, then as follow-ups, we, we just take them all and... <laughs> And live okay. record, yeah. Uh, yes, I'm down. I will be a willing participant <laughs> in most scenarios. I can't confirm all. You'll but... drive, stay in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take notes. I'll, I'll just be like wearing the headpiece and you can relay the information to me. Yeah, but there are a lot of amazing spots in Maine to visit. And I know that we kind of, we never really dove deep into any of them for this episode, which feels a little strange, but I do think that if you were to take a trip to Maine, you just have to, you have to be ready to like hit all corners. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I would love to go to Maine. Just it, it reminds me a little bit of Oregon um, in that yeah. sense, which is just like my favorite state and just the coastline alone. There's like something like 3,500 miles of coastline and uh i love just those small waterfront towns too i don't think we covered in small town getaways last season i don't think we covered any place in maine but we didn't yeah i oh, would okay. obviously we're gonna have to do a season two of that because that was just so much fun and um yeah maybe we add a, a main spot in there uh just to check out that would be cool yeah and honestly <clears throat> just to you know kind of dovetail into it different seasons i think that both small town getaways and local lore and legends we could just keep adding to it forever it's based on you know user feedback if anyone wants to call in guess we could have because there are so many things that we miss even in you know some of our most in-depth episodes for this season i feel like there's things that we just didn't get a chance to talk about yeah because you know we're on here for 25 30 minutes and it's impossible to cover everything you'd want to cover in that amount of time yeah so definitely um was there any other places that you wanted to talk about in particular to maine i mean i don't think so for me the most yeah. 
interesting would be I don't know why I'm a sucker for cemeteries, but Mount Hope Cemetery would be probably the first place I would visit just because of the size, the age, and just like everything that's associated with it. I feel like a lot of stories point right back to it. So, yeah. Did you happen to hear about the the tomb of uh, Jonathan Buck in your research? No. Okay, so so I came across this story, which was um, a little bit terrifying. So this was this is actually a place that you can visit and people do visit. And uh, there are a couple different different stories attached to this particular tomb, but basically, um, Buck founded the town of Bucksport, Maine, which that's what it was at the time. Uh, it was known as Buck's Town during his lifetime, but he founded Bucksport. And uh, for all intents and purposes, on paper, he was a really stand-up guy. He was a loving husband and father of nine. He was a town leader, justice of the peace. He developed the first sawmill, gristmill, general store. He was a revolutionary war hero. And people thought he was great. Uh, he, he has a granite memorial that people can still visit. But um, as a legend goes, this, this is the story, that he fell in love with a woman outside of his marriage. She became pregnant, had a son. He sent them both away. And he forced her to raise the, the child on her own because he was married. Uh, she eventually came back. She was asking for financial assistance. He didn't give them anything. And in order to make sure she didn't come back, he told everybody that she was a witch. Oh, right. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very nice. Cool. So uh, in those days, obviously, uh, as we mentioned last week, if you're accused of a witch, that's a really big deal. I mean, yeah, you can't unsay yeah. it. Right. And so it, this actually resulted in her being burned at the stake. The interesting part and kind of the terrifying part, as the legend goes, while she was being burned, her son was there. He grabbed her leg that was apparently like on the pyre and fled the scene because he wanted to bury his mother's body in the ground to try and save her soul. He also wanted to have a site for a memorial. Mm. So years later, once Jonathan Buck died, he was buried. He had a, this great gravestone because everybody loved him because apparently he was this great guy. His tomb, on his tomb appeared a stain in the actual granite in the form of a leg. And it didn't just happen once. People tried to clean it. It came back. People tried to clean it. It came back. And the tomb was even changed, they said, and the leg stain still appeared. So also to this day, the leg stain is there and you can see it in person and go to the to Bucksport, Maine to see this, uh, this gravestone with a leg. And I've seen the photo of it and really? I could, I'll, I'll drop it in the yeah. show notes so people can see it. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Okay. What is it with like haunted stains? <laughs> so we've yeah. got Margaret in the, uh, the ridges uh tuberculosis ward dies stain witch leg this is just creepy a compilation of all of the haunted stains in the united states <laughs> not your avid bucket list let's see all the stains that boom and oxygen couldn't get it um 
not sponsored by either of those. <laughs> they would never. <laughs> um, I, I will say, before, I know that we've kind of jumped around, but there is one thing I wanted to mention about Maine. So we talked about how I love the community and how they embrace all of these cryptids and the culture, and even to the point of having a very renowned uh, author. But also there's a just a crap ton of ghost towns. Did you Did you come across that? No, I didn't. <laughs> Whenever I, I found, um, so there are a couple articles I found online of ghost towns you never knew existed, things like that. And there's like at least maybe like 10, eight, and one I just wanted to bring up. So there are lots of ghost towns. They all have a very fascinating history, but one in particular reminded me of another town we talked about. It's Flagstaff, Maine. And tell me if this sounds familiar. It became the largest town in the Dead River Valley. Its success lasted until the 1940s when Flagstaff was deliberately flooded to create a power-generating dam as an extension of the Flagstaff Lake. The guys, you got to stop. Interesting. People getting mad over, I mean, rightfully so. Hey, you flood my town and I die, I'm going to get back at you and haunt a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, you know what's so interesting? All of these, there, there are definitely, in the things that we discussed, these thread of similarities Mm -hmm. that I think is really fascinating that maybe in my mind just lends to some credibility of the situation because, you know, if, if these things are happening, it, I don't know if maybe it just like adds a little bit more in terms of like, Oh, okay. Well, this also happened here. This also happened here. Yeah. Um, I don't know. To me, that's, it's kind of like lending to that, that it could really be believable. Well, yeah. I mean, also, it's that common thread of people are terrible. Um, so, yeah. you know, like people are calling each other witches, not cool. They are <laughs> um, flooding towns. They're taking advantage of the indigenous peoples. It's no wonder that there are all of these various hauntings and, oh, overcrowded prisons and uh, asylum yeah. that mistreat all of their patients. We're kind of asking yeah. for it if you right. <laughs> think of it. Uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, maybe like you said, at least some credibility to, hey, this is happening across the United States, across the globe, really. All these very similar hauntings. People stop uh, stop being committing hate crimes and war crimes. It's Yeah, awful. like take heed. Do you really yeah. want just a planet full of angry ghosts? No, of course not. <laughs> so let's learn our lessons. <laughs> You know what? I just I just want to think of Squonk, dear Squonk. He would never. He is just like sitting there in the woods, just wanting a hug. Oh my god! Breaks we need my more heart. Squonks. I I want to I want to find a, a plush Squonk and just have it be our show mascot. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Thanks, Heather, for introducing us to Squonk. Because absolutely life life changing cryptid. I was thinking about going to Squonkapalooza. Not gonna lie, it's not that far. Hey, that would be great, actually. If anybody and if, for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, listen to our bonus cryptids episode with Heather from Small Town Monsters. Uh, she talks about this cryptid named Squonk, and mm -hmm. it's kind of adorable. And it's like a hyper local resurgence of a very specific cryptid that I don't think exists anywhere else in the world. And yeah, uh, yeah it's it's fascinating. But I also yeah. feel like that community is so small. If I go to that event, they'll all like turn around and be like, who are you? We haven't <laughs> talked to you before. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's worth a listen. Definitely check it out. Yeah, for sure. 
So I'm just going to also add some of our show in the show notes, some of our only in your state articles, um, which we have a ton of really great articles about Maine urban legends, um, 12 reasons why Maine is the scariest state. And uh, I'm even, we didn't even really get to talk about this, but um, there's a, another article about a ghost story, a particular ghost story about the University of Southern Maine and the Robbie Andrews dorm. That is a very creepy ghost story that I'm going to drop in the show notes as well. So you can click that link, read all about that at onlyinyourstate.com. And I think next week we're doing Utah. I'm very excited for Utah. Uh, I love Utah. I don't want it to be ruined for me. (laughs) Just can't drive through it at night anymore. That's fine. If you're up for an audio adventure, we will be exploring local lores and legends in the U.S. on season two of Not Your Average Bucket List, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So make sure to like, subscribe, and join us. Only in Your State is an award-winning travel publisher that uncovers hidden gems and local favorites across the U.S. We have a presence in all 50 states with a passionate following of fellow travelers looking to get out and explore. Head on over to onlyinyourstate.com to find the best attractions in your backyard and beyond.